WYPR is here to keep you connected to your community. And as our communities change amid the coronavirus pandemic, that connection is more important than ever before. Member support makes it possible. And if you can, we hope you'll help us out. If you're a sustaining member, consider increasing your monthly pledge or become a new member with a first-time gift. Come to WYPR.org and click the donate link. And thanks. Hello, everyone. I'm Theo Hill, and welcome back to One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore, a podcast where I talk one-on-one with other folks like me who are dealing with their own addiction and recovery. My guest today is a very distinguished gentleman who I've had the pleasure of going to school with, and this episode is going to be with my man, Warren. Uh, Warren, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how this all got started? Uh, yeah, first of all, good evening. Well, I grew up in East Baltimore. I am the second of six children, and we lived in the projects. Um, my addiction started early. I grew up in a house where a lot of parties would went on and a lot of leftover alcohol. People used to let loose, you know, and um, I would get the uh, leftover alcohol and drink it. And uh, in the beginning, it was nothing. It just tastes bad. But then after a while, I started to feel the effects. It's around the age of 11. Around 12 years old, me and uh, my neighborhood friends that I grew up with, we started putting our money together, and there was a purpose for drinking. And we'd get our little coins together, and we would experience Wild Irish Rose and Thunderbird, and and the progression started from there. Started drinking for effect. Um, you know, you could dance better and talk to the girls better, and you get this false sense of courage, and you'd even fight a little bit. wasn't scared of anybody anymore. And so now I learned that I could have an alter personality. My mind was altered. And of course, the negative consequences would start to set in. Um, after a while, we get drunk and do unusual things like throw up out the window and all that kind of stuff. Talk back to your mother. You know, really getting out there now. And around 13 years old, I I didn't even realize it. I had gotten so drunk that I had to get carried home and uh, cleaned up after I just puked all over myself and everything like that. I didn't even know I was suffering from alcohol poisoning. Uh, drinking led to smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. And I was a pretty good student. I made it all the way to the 10th grade. And... Um, I was attracted to street life. I liked it, you know. Uh, it gave me a sense of uh, being strong. And uh, I liked the images. I liked it. Mm-hmm. 
to me. I like being tough. You know, be a man. You know, small man's uh, what they want to call it, small man's complex. So I overcompensated in a lot of my behaviors, and so I graduated from alcohol and marijuana. Around the age of 16, 17, I was experimenting with uh, cocaine. And that's as far as I went. I went into the military, kept using marijuana and alcohol. Every chance I got, tours of duty in the military, was in and out of the Army by the time I was 21. Honorable discharge. Did what I was supposed to do, I had gone to did time in Alaska, did a tour in Panama, and came back to the United States. And uh, I managed to get in school mm -hmm. for the first time. And hindsight is twenty twenty vision. I still didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. Still didn't know. But I did wind up uh, finding a job. And our first worked as a uh, computer operator. It's when they had uh, mainframes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, so I'm telling you how old I am now. <laughs> yeah, we had mainframes. I worked for eight years. And I lost that job because my addiction was still going on and I progressed mm -hmm. to uh, make a long story short to heroin. I started using heroin at the age of 25. And that was the best feeling I ever had. And I made a commitment to, I said, I'm going to do this the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to die doing this. But I'm, I'm still here living today by the grace of God. Yes. So um, I did that for a long time. And I did a lot of things that I said I'd never do. Um, I see now um, what suffering really is. In addiction and I don't blame my addiction on anything that happened to me in my childhood or anything like that because my thing was the attachment to the feeling I just loved how it felt and I didn't compromise anything that came first every dime I had um, anything that I could get in my hands on um, whatever it was it went it went to the drugs the drugs went into cooking the, and it went in my arm. And um, that's what my addiction was like. It was a turmoil, it was terrible times. I think I spent more time suffering than I did having a good time after that, you know. But um, once you crossed that line. Once I crossed yeah. that line and had those experiences of dereliction and degradation, self-loathing, I experienced all those things, and that's why I don't blame anybody else for my what happened mm -hmm. in my life um, and what my experiences were like. But I made it through. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. I made it through. I got to the recovery side, and that's when I grew up started living. Uh, the extreme addict I, I, I was, there was no way I was going to get clean on the streets. Right. I had to do it. I had to do some time in prison. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you were in active addiction. 
Mm-hmm. And then you went to prison, and mm-hmm. that is that where you decided to get clean? Yeah. Or was it a process to get from, from here to there? It happened about three times. Okay. First time it happened, I realized how good it was to be clean again. But I still was attached. The grip. The grip. It got loosened up a little bit, but not enough. Right. Um... I went to prison again, did a short thing, but this time I stayed clean longer mm-hmm. and put more effort towards uh, long-term abstinence, but not recovery. Correct. Because it is a learning process that has a valuable education component to it um, for me, because I like to think I'm intellectual, so I have to learn uh, about things analytically. And so you can tell I did learn something about myself. Yes. That's how I learned how to stay clean. I learned how to love myself. Right. Third time I went to jail, it was an eye-opener. Last night, I, at the last night that I got high, um, Theo, I was out hacking. That mm-hmm. was, it was my hustle, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, and I had gotten, you know, a nice little piece of change that day, but it was the, it was the events that kind of woke me up. I um, took this lady somewhere and dropped off, and I don't know how I got home, you know, sort of like a blackout. Mm-hmm. It was it was like a a an epiphany. It's like okay, you you're gonna die if you keep this up. Mm-hmm. It, I didn't want to die like that. Let's let's let me just say that. And wherever this spirit is going, I didn't want it to go to a place that wasn't going to be eternally beautiful and and something like heaven mm-hmm. if you believe in that. You made a decision then. At that moment. Yes. At that moment, you made a decision that you yeah. did not want to live like that anymore. Right. And so when the judge said I had to do some more time, I embraced it. Uh, jail is a good place to think for some people. Hopefully it's not a rice pass for everybody, but right, you know, for whatever it is. That's where I found um, spiritual freedom in jail. I felt the release, and I guess you could call it a miracle, and was able to detach mm-hmm. from the, the idea of getting that feeling from them drugs. Right. It was gone. So you could say the taste was removed. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started doing work on myself. I was in the acupuncture program called MASAP. Yes, I'm familiar with it. And um, we did acupuncture. And it was very relaxing. And I think that acupuncture made me sane. So the, I, I think the proper uh, uh, definition for the word sane is to be whole. Okay. Okay. 
Um, it's not to just to be sober. Um, and sober is a good word also. I think sober and sane mean the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be whole mind, body, and spirit and community because that's what happened for me. Not to me. It happened for me, but it happened to me first. After those, uh, after the acupuncture sessions, I felt such a sense of calmness. Uh, it was a beautiful way of treatment for myself. You know, um, and I was all right in jail. It's peaceful. I didn't get in any fights or anything like that. So that lets me know that you get what you want when you go to jail. You know, uh, you can get with the craziness, mm-hmm. or you can find yourself. And that's what I did. And the commitment that I made was this time, not going back to the streets. I didn't even go back home. No, I didn't go back home to my wife and children. Uh, I went into the Maryland Center of Veterans Education and Training. McVets. Yes. Mm-hmm. I went there on a six-month plan, my head. But there's a God that knows more than I know. And um, when I let go and became subject to the powers that be, I wind up staying in that place for three years because that's what I needed. I needed a full process Mm -hmm. of getting clean, uh, learning how to stay abstinent, subjugate myself to what I call uh, righteous principles. I needed those for guidelines for my behavior. If I'm going to change, then change must be changed. And not under my terms. Right. Okay. And I think that's the beauty of recovery is it's being led. And I also maintain recovery by way of the 12-step program because I'm a member of Narcotics Anonymous. Mm-hmm. It wasn't easy because it's a inward journey. Right. An inward mm-hmm. journey mm-hmm. and an uphill journey. Yes. It's uphill. Yes. So going uphill requires mm-hmm. some work. Right. And so we are talking about a clock. The clock is right two times a day, right? Mm-hmm. But it keeps going around, you know? And so I'm, I'm still on the steps. <laughs> uh, to, be, to be frank about it, I'm still on the steps, you, you know, because you get new revelations every time you go around. Yeah. And I think that's what the stuff of life is. Every 12 hours you experience, you should be, have learned something, you know. Not every 24 hours, every 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did some service work. And this time on this journey in life, I was able to smell the roses on the journey. I found out that life is so beautiful, you know, when, when you watch it from the inside out. Mm-hmm instead of uh, being shaped and molded by your surroundings so I can live anywhere and be free, you know? Uh, and that's what I do now. Um, I started school. Is that where we met at? Yeah. I started school at Sojourner Douglas College in 2005. Okay. And pursued my bachelor's degree because I, I, I realized that I realized my life worked and that is counseling. Mm-hmm. I'm a counselor now. And I, I got my first 
education degree. I finished at school in three years and realized that I'm not finished. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I applied for the master's program at Coppin State University. And I got my first master's in 2013. And since I had gotten credits towards another master's, I went on and finished that. So I've been in school from 2005 and just graduated with my second master's last year this time in May. Congratulations. Yes. So maybe it should have been a doctor, but I'll take whatever God gives me. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I'm counseling now. I'm certified as a substance abuse counselor, and I'm licensed as a mental health therapist. So I'm doing both, psychotherapy and uh, substance abuse counseling. So I say crazy people uh, make the best psychologists, <laughs> psychiatrists, uh, and therapists, because we know what crazy is. We've been there and <laughs> done that. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I, I want to thank you, Juan, for sharing your story. Mm-hmm. on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. I want to thank everyone else for listening. Um, I, I also personally want to thank you for sharing the history of how things happen for you. Um, a lot of times in recovery, oh, I got one more question. Mm-hmm. How do you maintain your recovery today? Are, are you still excited about recovery? Every day. Very good. Every day that I wake up, I tell you, um, because I'm living life. Yes. Okay, that's what recovery is and, and, and all aspects of life. Managing my own thoughts and uh, managing my affairs. Um, trying to stay out of trouble. Yes, sir. If I don't have to, I do. Okay. Um, it's just the fact that I think seeing the beauty in life and 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 knowing the difference of what's good and what's not good for me uh, helps me stay uh, abstinent and serene a day at a time. Well, Warren, it's been a pleasure, man. And thank you for the for the invitation, my brother. Yes, and um, I'm pretty sure we're gonna find each other down the road a little bit further too. Absolutely. I would like to thank Warren for sharing his story on this episode of One Day at a Time in Recovery in Baltimore. And I want to thank the audience for listening. I'm Theo Hill. Let's talk again soon.